Hello, and welcome to another unusual installment of the Merry-Go-Round Table podcast. My name's Ian, and I'll be the host for this special episode. As we continue through our indoor summer, you may have made the decision to turn your back on reality and instead indulge in the variety of virtual realities that are only a $60 purchase away. There's no shame in it, given everything that's going on, but I'm glad you set aside some time today to listen to this podcast. The last installment of the show focused on the high-budget misery simulator, The Last of Us Part Two, perhaps the last of its kind, at least for this console generation. This episode will focus on its end-of-a-generation sibling, on the complete other end of the gameplay spectrum. That game, of course, is Sucker Punch's Ghost of Tsushima, a Western studio's take on the real-life Mongol invasion of Tsushima Island, focused on the fictional revenge quest one samurai lord takes to push back the invaders and win back his home, potentially at the cost of his values. Joining me to discuss the game and our surprisingly positive reaction to it is merry-go-round contributor Alec Larios. We talk about the game's treatment of history, its odd balance of tone, and the comfort food qualities of open world games. It was a fun conversation to have, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed having it. Oh boy. So so what's up, Alec? <laughs> how is how is this? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I think I think this game has really helped me appreciate my lot in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? You think so? made me really thankful that things aren't even more bad than they could have possibly been. Yeah, there is a weird experience of spending extended amounts of time in feudal Japan where you're like, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> they don't have a pandemic to deal with, but you know, there's people who are- Well, well side, that's a side yeah. mission. There was like an illness. Yeah, you help out that healer or whatever. Yeah, healers play a, a significant role in the story, but I, I wanted to, talk to you about this because the philosophy that you will and ed had on three houses was that this game is so big Mm -hmm. that we really do have to like sit down and talk about it yeah and in similar vein to the other most recent uh podcast that was done on a video game the last of us yeah this game ghost of tsushima is simultaneously one of the most beautiful games that I've ever seen and also one of the most vile and grisly. I have a high tolerance for this kind of thing. And even I had to take breaks and go, ooh, okay. All right. There, it's, it, and and to, to think that this kind of stuff, that, I mean, it, it's heavily grounded in reality. These things actually happened. Some of the, some of the more gruesome parts were you don't actually see it but there was this one guy talking about how his friend was impaled on a spike on top of an anthill by the yeah i remember that yeah and and there's a side story about an old guy who had two sons and the mongols came and they said okay which son do you want to spare and he said, oh, this son. And the son that he wanted to spare, they killed him. Uh, and then they captured the other one. And then you have to go save the other one. And he says, I can't, I can't face my father because he preferred 
my brother. Like the first thing that came out of his mouth was my brother's name. Right. And then when you return to the father, he's so racked with guilt that he jumps into the river and drowns himself. Yeah. There's a lot of heavy aspects that I was not expecting in this game. And it's, yeah, it, it, it really puts into perspective all of that. It's, 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 it's a wonderful, it really, I think, important game because they really, really put a lot of consideration into making it true to life and almost a legitimate historical text. It's so funny because the first thing that we talked about was how like Jin, at best he is a grumble butt. <laughs> yeah. He's a bit one note. At worst, he is just a wrecking ball of revenge and just death follows him in every way. It's 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 commented upon by a lot of the characters, especially the farther you go into the story. And I just saw the bonus content for pre-orders where the uh, director Nate Fox from Sucker Punch talks to Shuhei Yoshida, who's head of uh, Sony Computer Entertainment, mm-hmm. and Kazuto Hongo, Professor Kazuto Hongo, who is uh, the head of the history society uh-huh. or specifically specializing in, in Japanese history. Yeah. He's the head of the history department in uh, the university of Tokyo. Okay. And it was, it was a fascinating discussion, although there's, there's some cultural wrinkles and the language barrier stuff that they, they couldn't get past. But Nate Fox asked professor Hongo, what more can we do to make this true to the history of Japan? And he's like, nah, you guys did it. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. He, he, he said it, it made him cry and that he would instruct his students who are studying history to play this game, which is very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. They are really grounding the selling of this game in its historical quality that it's kind of like uh, ripped from the headlines. Because obviously they're playing like they're playing a, like the main events like, yes, Tsushima was invaded by Mongols. Like, that's all true. There were all these like feudal lords who were taken prisoner, all that. But like some of the specific details, they're kind of moving stuff around. Haiku wasn't invented yet. Some of the oh, yeah. technology stuff that the Mongols are using is a little more advanced than they would have had at the time. Like a lot of the explosive stuff, I don't know if they would have like had as fully developed as exists in the game. But you need like a, you know, you need like a gun equivalent. You need yeah. like a bomb equivalent. Like there's got to be a rocket launcher at some point, right? That's just like part of how these kind of like combat scenarios get designed. So it's interesting what they pick and choose to have be historically accurate and fudge a little bit to make it more interesting or to add a mechanic. Yeah, the creative liberties that they take are very wise, I have to say. They definitely make the game more fun but at the same time don't push it too hard into crazy weird fantastical territory the rocket launcher thing the huacha is obviously creative liberty it's a korean invention actually Mm. and they commented on it in their discussion that the thing that they took the most liberty on 
aside from story-wise, because obviously these events happen, but all the characters you see are fictional. Right. But the the greatest creative liberty that they did was through the armor, because the mm-hmm. armor, you can make Jin look however you want. It goes through like different eras and stuff like that, but still very, very authentic to those eras. Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, you customize Jin however you want. He's really like most open world characters, a reflection of the world around him. I think Gene Park from the Washington Post said that he's pretty much an action figure. Yeah, really. Yeah, you um, dress him up. He's like a toy to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, he's still a, a bulldozer just m- mowing down at, at, at your discretion any Mongol in the island but i think what really makes him for me and his quest for revenge because well from the beginning the premise is that uh koten khan lands on uh tsushima who is the brother of kublai khan right he's supposed to be the brother of kublai khan the grandson of genghis khan several things that make him vastly more interesting as an antagonist and saved like a lot of the the one noteness of Jin for me was that Koten Khan his philosophy about warfare and him thinking that the way to break the samurai is to just break Bushido. Just like the samurai have a code and it's as easy to break that code as it is to break them. That's a big theme of his villainy, of his antagonism. But also his promise for peace is made constant. Through almost every scene that he's in, especially later on through the game, he's like, I promised you guys peace. I just told you guys to submit. I kept telling you guys that and you guys you guys did not you you guys kept resisting and this is what you get i'm sorry but this is what you get and he makes that offer to multiple characters that he's trying to ally himself with or convince to join his side you know join me and we can bring peace i think he offers that directly to lord shimura right yeah to jin's uncle lord shimura who is is basically like the he's he's the big daddy of this whole uh ordeal that jin goes through and he is like surrogate daddy it's it, it's an interesting thing that happens later on in the game. I don't know which part you on, but I, I, I I'm it. like just I've just unlocked like the second section of the island, basically. Oh, okay. So we're on Act Two. Act Two is definitely the most fun. Definitely do the most stuff in Act Two, but yeah, the developments that happen throughout this game. Uh, well, like here's the thing, though, with like samurai cinema, we think because we've seen so much of it. We think we have these archetypes down pat, right? But there are multiple developments that happen that really kind of challenge that in an interesting way. And I I, I won't spoil much for you, but it becomes something more than it seems. That's good, because like early on in the game, especially in that first act, they constantly present you with these examples of how the Bushido code and and generally just a total hierarchical structure of the society 
is designed to fail in a, to a certain extent. People are constantly lying in order to make it work, you know? And you're, you're shown multiple examples of where characters have lied or have broken the code, but like said it's fine, or you're like, you know, made exceptions or made weird like wraparound rules to get around what is like a very rigid honor code to live by. And it's like not practical <laughs> at all. Yeah, and part of what the Mongols are doing is taking advantage of that. And a lot of the characters you encounter are like either struggling with this or like completely siding with the enemy or have even more bad blood with other Japanese people on the island. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you reached this in Act 2 yet, but uh, a big part of Act 2 is is the Yarikawa Rebellion mm -hmm. in where... Clan Shimura and the Yarikawa's Clan Shimura put down a rebellion. Right. And, and Yuna is from that from that yeah. like group that had staged that rebellion. Yuna is Yuna, like your compatriot. She's like a thief. She's like represents a lot of the ghost quote unquote ghost skills that you pick up as you play the game. Yeah, so at the Mongol attack on what is it, Komoda Bay? In real life, no one survived. For the purposes of the game, Jin is saved by Yuna, a thief. And she and her brother Taka are from Yarikawa, who Jin's uncle, Lord Shimura, put down a rebellion from way back when. And there's still bad blood going on. And it, it really comes in conflict with Jin's desire to like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take revenge I'm gonna rid the this beautiful land of Mongols and then the Yarikawas are all like yeah did you not just do that to, like who's deserving of who's more deserving of revenge here and it's funny because one of the big missions concerning that you you have to learn a technique that the Yarikawas use and that technique will save you throughout the rest of the game I'm not gonna say what it is. But no, it's it's just really interesting the different allegiances. Everyone has their own motivations and what they think about the Mongol invasion, like the whole thing with the straw hats and everything. It's just it's just really interesting, and it 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 really comes into context in when you think about like the vastness of the Mongol Empire and how like every uh, they 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 ruled most of the known world at that time and it's it's so funny jin will be all like i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna kill them all those savages and then one of the collectible items are the mongol artifacts and if you look at the menu at those mongol artifacts it'll be like history channel like it'll be all like oh those those mongol savages eat horse cheese and it's like Arul, which is made from the fermented curds of mare's milk. It, it, it's just really funny. Like those of, of the collectible items, that was my favorite thing to collect because it really puts in the context the like every, every corner of the Mongol Empire. Like there, there are things that I wouldn't imagine. And you only get Jin's perspective, at least like in the main story. So seeing those artifacts and like i it's not just like jin's perspective it's the fact that like unless a mongol is speaking japanese 
you don't hear, you don't, they, they don't translate what they're saying. So they really kind of other them in a way, you know? So you need those artifacts and you need like, I guess, an intelligent, like nuanced antagonist like Hutan Khan to show that like, this is just as robust a culture as like Imperial Japan that we're seeing through Jin's eyes, you know? If not more robust and more technologically advanced, you know? Yeah, it's it really puts into perspective like them having the cultural sensitivity to do that really like makes you think, damn, like this this all really happened, and these what these this is what these people were thinking, and the the their motivations behind this, and all of that. It's 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 quite fascinating. If anything, I wish I got more of it like outs I mean I haven't I need to get further into the game but I wish I got more of it outside of the realm of like collectibles you know like I wish you were more entrenched in like how they are trying to run the world like through your player character rather than just like collecting their items or like killing everybody in a camp you know and like seeing everything after the fact you know after they're all dead there are some missions that 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 help but no yeah I get what you're saying it's I, I I wouldn't like dock it points from the game, but it almost seems as if there's going to be like DLC on the Mongol side or something like that. You know, it's so funny. I saw the uh, I, I was watching the 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 discussion with Nate Fox, Professor Hongo, and Shuhei Yoshida, and Nate Fox from Sucker Punch asked Professor Hongo, "What is the weapon from the Mongol Empire?" that traveled the farthest when it reached Japan. And he said, uh, I think the catapult. And I was all like, okay, that's cool. That would have been cool if I saw a catapult in this game. And then literally right as I turned it off and put back the game on, boom, right there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I see it. I see a giant flaming trebuchet. Right. And it completely unrelated to a quest which is like i don't it, it's it's weird the 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 amount of immersion in this game to where i think i think that goes in part to why you can't get like a real full perspective other than like din's quest for revenge is that these are what these people were thinking and these are how these people behaved when i first played this game i was like damn i wish i had a mini map or something but the wind the guiding winds uh the gold bird the foxes everything like that really puts you in the world of this game and this is how these people well i mean they were they obviously weren't like chasing magic birds or anything like that but this this is this is be you're put you're being put thrown in this world that is uh, very much true to life and it's it's it, it forces you to engage with it and and like surveying the lands the high ground is prized above all like it's 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 things like that that, that really get to me like it, it 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 makes me appreciate the game more like usually in open world games they always focus on mobility right they always focus on get, getting from one place to another the fastest and one sin that they always commit and it's it's the same with this game 
is they'll have you start a mission from one place and have you go to another place really far away so that dialogue while you're traveling is can be had and i mean that that it, it happens a handful of times but but not often there there is a good amount of this game where i literally forgot i had a horse because i was so it, it immersed with how beautiful and true to life the world was it's really quite something people say stop and smell the roses for all sorts of games i thought it was just an expression but i mean I, it's the first time that i really like just stood still and like turned the camera around and took advantage of photo mode and everything to really appreciate something like this I think that's what really struck me about the game and definitely what has keep me coming back probably more so than the story is all the polish that they've put on what would be a traditional like open world game. It's that navigation stuff, like you said, like the guiding wind. It's like the total like lack of UI when you're actually playing the game and not in a menu, which I think is great. More games should steal the wind thing. More games should work like that, I think. Like it, it, it is very um, stunning. You get to appreciate all the visuals but it really feels like you're playing as the character rather than playing as the player manipulating the character. Because I do catch myself, like you said, looking for paths and scouting, so to speak, like get, you know, going higher up and looking around. Like they get a little bit of that, like I would say like Breath of the Wild feeling. It's very minimalistic for the most part, like what your interaction is. And you're really just like living in the place and pretending like you're there, you know? Yeah, it feels a lot like a Zelda game. But it it's it's just yeah the the freaking there's sea enemies and they're animated and they move there's bat and they the their wings reflect in the moonlight like things like that and like the whole fact that you could pet the foxes and stuff like that it 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 almost makes you forget about the beheadings and the absolute gruesome vile torture you put all these humans through like it, it i i can't say it's two different games but the story makes it a point to have the more the the way of the ghost the the stealthier path be different from the way of honor which is the samurai and it's it's according to the professor from the University of Tokyo, it was one of the big hangups that led to the dissolution of the shogunate. And it's like, I was playing the game at first appreciating the world and like wanting to explore every corner of it. And then it threw me in to this combat system, which was at the face of it, not altogether unique. Like people keep comparing this game to Sekiro or Assassin's Creed. As someone who has completed those games, I could say that this is vastly different. People say that the, the combat is repetitive and it is, but it's addictive. It's one of those things where once you learn all the stances, just switching them on the fly is, it, it, it keeps you engaged. It's one of the most like responsive and entertaining things. And just 
I mean, it's 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 a lot. It's 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 very very violent, but with a stance bar and a health bar, you gotta you gotta change your stance according to the enemy's weapons. And I mean, I I'm I'm as violent as it is, I'm always satisfied when I get to break a big guy's stance and just like slice him up. And I always pause for photo mode in that moment. But yeah, it's it gotten to the point where it was too much. But it, it, it made for some enter like this game is so immersive that every time that it's every time something happens to break your immersion, it's so charming and delightful that you're I'm I'm still satisfied with the game. I I I can't like knock it for anything. There was a time where and I think it, I mean with all good open world games, like weird stuff like this happens. There was a time where I killed a Mongol guy who had an eagle, and the eagle landed on him right as he was falling, which, which made for an entertaining visual. There was also a time where a hand was severed, and it, like, spinned like a top and then fell upright on the ground. So it was like this, just on the ground, and I thought it was the funniest thing. And there, there, there's a lot of times that happen like that. Like, once I learned how to roll and just, like, play this, like, freaking Dark Souls, which was not effective, mind you. You roll a little bit too far so as not to, like, exploit it. It's always better to parry in this game, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I was rolling like a maniac, and it was so funny because it, it, it broke from the cinematic qualities of it. But at the same time, if you roll too much, you're going to get dirty, and you look like a mess. Which, which I, I, I was like, okay, especially during duels, which are, some of them are really tough. Like, I can't say this game is easy, but it seemed like it was, th- that there's no penalty for death, which is, which makes it much different from, uh, which makes it much different from a lot of other games. But I mean, that just you know keep, keeps the fun train rolling it's 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 it, it it makes it so that i don't have to worry about that i mean i'm i'm not going to shame the game for doing that i'm not going to say it's too easy because there are times where it's very hard especially those duels but it's it's it it's that type of game it feels so fun it, and it, the the fun doesn't stop for me that it's almost as if the game is lightly holding my hand does that make sense yes yes like it's not holding my hand completely but only lightly yeah (laughs) just a gentle uh it's like a pringle your hand is pringles and it's holding him and it doesn't want to crush them you know something like that yeah i i want to kind of put it like in context of like the other big sony games that were released this year and then also just like this console generation like for all intents and purposes, this will be like the last big open world game that's going to be released on the PlayStation 4, save for like, I guess, Watch Dogs in the, in the fall or whatever, in November, and Cyberpunk whenever that comes out. I guess that's next year. So it, who knows? I know, who knows? So taking that into account, like, do you feel like this is like kind of the perfect distillation of an open world game? Like, does it feel like they've kind of figured it out? Like, this is the smoothest possible ride that one of these types of games could have. 
Yeah, I think it's a, that's a good way to describe it too. Usually with open world games, I am not this adamant about completing everything. And I think now with about, oh, I think it's about a little over 60 hours in, which is above average for me, definitely above average for me when it comes to open world games. Usually with open world games, I mainline through the main story and do like, I'm only gravitated to maybe one or two types of uh, side mission or collectible, things like that. Like in Spider-Man, it was the Taskmaster uh, tasks or whatever. Other games, it's, it's like everything here was worthwhile and worth doing. Even when the rewards were like didn't mean anything to me like i never wore a headband because all of the the actual headgear was i i thought was awesome the straw hats the gosaku helmet the uh tengai basket it was all i never wore a headband but those haikus were amazing <laughs> i i loved every bit of the haikus and i had to see all three options for each stanza of each haiku because I, I, I thought it was a really nice touch to a game. But yeah, every, everything there is to do, every collectible there is, is worthwhile. And I've never experienced that in an open world game. And it, it's, as someone described it as like mindlessly checking boxes throughout the open world, but that's every open world game. That's almost every open world game. To me, this is the first time where it's all worth doing. It's all, it, it's, it's all like all of it. The, the, you pet foxes, like, come on. Who could say no to that? Exactly. Yeah. It, it, it definitely could slip into that, like checking off boxes thing. But I think what makes this game like a little bit different and what makes it feel like the kind of game that like comes at the end of a generation is that they've differentiated all of those like little collectible, like side activity things enough where they feel distinct and you can kind of like mix and match them and you don't you don't get as tired as quickly as I think you would doing something like that in an Assassin's Creed or in you know one of these other big games like Horizon Zero Dawn one of these other big games that's come out in the last five years or whatever they're distinct enough you know yeah they all offer something different they all do something different some of them are just you know a cutscene. you see Jin's ass or you know uh, others are the, the there are whole encampments which could take from anything thing from uh, 10 minutes to a whole hour to take down it's 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 really really a, a vast variety of things to do and ways to tackle each situation to where everything I find, I just am completely in love with it. Even, even you know, headbands that I didn't have anything that I didn't want anything to do with. E even the the a lot of the charms from the shrines. I I think it's funny that the the most platforming you do is getting up to those shrines to get those charms. But like, it's 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 a bit wonky at first. But once you finally get up there, there's always 
a beautiful vista once you honor it it does the camera just swoops in yeah have you reached okay so you're on act two right have you reached turtle rock shrine no or it's possible is it possible that i went there and i didn't have the grappling hook so i wasn't able to go up because i i hit a shrine or two where it said like you don't have the tool in order to complete this yeah the the tool is the grappling hook I think you do need the grappling hook for a turtle rock shrine, but it's in I've the, seen it and I didn't have the grappling hook yet. It's in the middle of uh, Toyotama, the second area of the uh, island. I mean, also very wise to sort this island out into three sections, three neat sections, and have the story play in three acts. It it it, it sounds you know. It, it it sounds rudimentary and, and nothing special, but it works out quite well. Um, in the middle of Toyotama is Turtle Rock Shrine. And as soon as you reach it, I want you to tell me because I cannot, I visited there unrelated to a quest already having honored that shrine multiple times. And it is just, whew, you see everything. It's not even the highest point, though, but you see the almost the entire island, and it's it's very very breathtaking. It's uh, okay. A hint: it's one of the only shrines where, after you honor it, there's the, of course there's a there's the other Tori gate which says, "Oh, do you want to descend the shrine?" It's like okay, it's the only shrine where next to it, next to that uh, Tori gate exit, are extra ledges to go up. Uh-huh. And only three more ledges up and you get to be the at the very top of the shrine and see everything. And I find it funny that it's the only one that does that, but it's it's because the vista is just it's just that good. Immaculate. It's 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 really something to take in. I gotta I gotta check it out. That I think of the side activities, the shrines have been what I've enjoyed the most. That and the I like the fox dens. I like I like following the foxes. It's so funny because I'm, I'm going to keep saying it's so funny because it it it, it is this, the, there's 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 humor in in it because this game tries to be so cinematic. I will follow these foxes. I will follow these golden birds, and on the path that they want me to follow, there are enemies. And I'm like shit. I'm yeah. like oh god. It's <laughs> so like oh I gotta d- d- don't worry, little fox. And I'm just like <laughs> just just decapitating people in front of this fox. And the fox, you can hear the fox yelping. It's like, and I'm like, no, don't look, cover your eyes. I definitely had an interaction with one where like the same thing happened. Like the fox took me over a path and there was like enemies walking down the path. And it did like the standoff thing where it's like, do you want to fight them now? And instead of fighting them right away, I just ran. Like I booked it like in front of them and they started following me and I ran with the fox to the shrine. And I, you know, honored the shrine. And then immediately, like, a guy came up behind me and started attacking me. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted to avoid. Yeah. There was one, there's one shrine that's in, like, a bit of a, a, a little rock quarry. And as I honored it, they all came jumping in. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, God. But, yeah, the, the, the world is like that to where... I I really had an appreciation for almost every single polygon. Like I accidentally killed an elk once and there was no reward. There was no, you know, 
supplies or predator hide to collect after. And there's part of the loading screen where it says, oh, it's, it's looked down upon to kill the deer. And I'm like, oh, shit, does this affect anything? I hope it doesn't. I had a similar thing where I shot a deer first and then maybe like three hours later, finally got that loading screen where it's like, don't shoot the deer. <laughs> I was like, well, I wish you had told me. But what, but like, it, there's, it, there's no repercussions. No, not as far as I can tell. Other than like the deer run away, like the deer gets sad and run away. And, and they make their ooh, little noise. And it's like, why is it okay to shoot a bear, but it's not okay to shoot a deer? I don't understand. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's it's like how do I have reverence for endemic life in a video game, you know? And oh, the bears. Don't get me started on bears. There's like way too many bears. Oh, oh, in act 3 there's a lot more. <laughs> and like it's so funny because uh whenever whenever I've encountered them, uh well, I guess Okay, well, in Act Three, they're they're always going to be with Mongols fighting them, and they're they're like throwing them around, and it's 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 entertaining. But then it comes, the bear comes after you, and so it's so funny. I, I I've I've taken a few snapshots where it looks like the Mongols and I are teaming up to take down a bear, but no, like all all of the wildlife. I feel so bad because. Something that a lot of people caught on to and was like one of the starting tips was to use kunai for hunting, to collect predator hides to kill the boars and the bears. But there, all the ghost tools are really cool and really add an extra dimension to combat in the game. But I will find myself equipping a different tool than the uh, kunai, which uh, I, I, I could have a sticky bomb. And I would accidentally throw a sticky bomb on like this boar, this poor little boar, and it's it's two friends, and it just explodes. Oh no! And it, it takes out the other two with it, and I'm like, okay, that was a bit much. Yeah, I, I don't think I needed to do that. Is like the hide left behind, or is it kind of just obliterated? Oh yeah, you you get it, it's it, it's it's still dead in the same way it always been, but like this game is so immersive and cinematic and true to life. That things like that, when you do it, are just hilarious. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so entertaining. And it, it, that's, it's completely by accident, too. It still has that aspect of what makes an open world game fun. And I think that's important because a lot of times, with a lot of these open world games, the developers have no idea, really have no clue what makes them fun. Yeah, I've been trying to think, like, what is this the most similar to? Because, like, for whatever reason, I feel like I've dipped my toes in in, like, all of the major, like, open world game series. You know, like, I've played two of the Watch Dogs. I've played some of the Far Cries. I've played some of the Assassin's Creed. I did Red Dead. And I'm trying to think, like, where this sits. Like, is it similar to any of them? Like, it has some of the qualities of Assassin's Creed. It has some of the fun, like, incidental, like, oops accident type stuff of like far cry you know and they're definitely trying to tell however successful or not like i think it depends on the the quest like they're trying to tell like a serious story like red dead is you know so it's it's definitely the like the it's trying to be a little bit of everything in the way like i said before like a game would be at the end of a generation like it's trying to see like here are all the things we found in all of the other open world games 
and we're trying to like weave them together into the package usually when that happens it does not work i know and it's amazing that they get as good of a, like as satisfying as a product as they do you know like the assassin's creed comparisons i've told you before they kind of drive me crazy but yeah of, of course there's going to be similarities but the thing is to me the way assassin's creed was advertised what is was completely different to what it was and this game is really what it was meant to be if that makes any sense like the the what what you would be doing most of in assassin's creed was obviously assassinating people but once you get caught the combat was just absolutely brainless and and groups of enemies would take turns to hit you which made no sense in here unlike that game and unlike sekiro when you fight a group of enemies they will it's challenging but you have a chance you you have a good chance to take them down but as far as the open worldness goes i'll still hold fast to it being like a zelda game even though those games up until recently those games weren't really open worlds but every time i explore an inch of the map that i haven't yet because i mean like 60 hours in i still don't have the full map right there's still parts that are grayed out every single little part tells a story and that's how i felt when playing freaking wind waker back in the day like it, every every little part of this map had a purpose and a lot of times with open world games nowadays they just completely gloss over all of that and they just say oh how big can we make this and and stuff like that and i i think sucker punch i've been playing their games since i was a little kid since 1999 i could tell you this i'm probably the only person who has ever played uh rocket robot on wheels for the n64 their first game of of course it was a blockbuster rental for one day popped it in (laughs) popped it back out have no memory of the actual game i think there was like a beach level which i played (laughs) but i played the sly cooper series I've I've only played the first Infamous, which I loved, which I thought was amazing. And I don't think Sucker Punch gets enough credit for their open world. I really don't. I think they're overshadowed by studios like Insomniac or Naughty Dog, which have now these big AAA titles. But Sucker Punch have really taken their time with games. Oddly enough, the publisher for rocket robot on wheels was ubisoft ubisoft with the assassin's creed series them wanting to put out a game every year noted for cutting corners (laughs) but this is the exact antithesis of that to me that's true i i think that's fair i whatever they do with like an open world game it does feel distinct from those other studios and they are fun. Like, they're always fun, I think, is the thing. Like, Infamous is my only other experience with them as a developer. And I really, like, they really think about, like, mechanics in an interesting way, both in traversal and then in combat, you know? I mean, Infamous, like, there's no other game that's made, like, abilities, like, powers feel, like, as satisfying as I feel like they do oh, in the yeah. first one, you know? 
And I felt I felt that with this game too, uh, upgrading everything. In Infamous, the first thing that I upgraded, I had to get the the bombs, the explosives, right? Because this world is so comic booky and fun, and seeing the particles and enemies go everywhere with the explosives and everything is 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 amazing. But even in this heavily grounded to reality game, the explosive I I I went to the explosives and yeah. The explosive arrow I've been abusing for a long, long time for the whole entire game, and it's so funny because your 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 bowmaster sensei Ishikawa, who has a really interesting story too, where his pupil he was so hard on that she went to the Mongol side. He has a mission where you learn the flaming arrow, and I held that off because it's like, dude, I already have the explosive arrow. <laughs> Like, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. What, I, I, I'm like, what more fun can be had? But of course, I, I still went with that story. I eventually uh, completed that storyline. But yeah, it's, 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 it's things like that that are just like, on the, on the face of it, you can, you can almost make a film out of this game and have it really grounded and just play like an actual samurai film in real life the kurosawa mood and everything and it's like there's there's it's also a game it's also a video game (laughs) yeah in in which you it's it's uh open worlds are sandboxes in which you can manipulate a lot of things that you wouldn't ever think and yeah it's things like that that attract me to this kind of game and i'm 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 glad it's as good as it is here, like, here's my pitch, and you tell me how off base it is. Like, when I think about this game and what I enjoy about it, and then hearing your excitement about it, what it reminds me the most of is like early days of Netflix <laughs> when they were releasing their first original shows, and they were like, everyone was into it, and they were like very satisfying, and like, you kind of had to keep watching the episodes. And it felt good. Like it felt like well-made. It's like a little, it's fun, you know, like they're not being super serious or whatever. Like they they know that it's a TV show and there has to be twists and there has to be like salaciousness, you know, but it still feels grounded in some kind of professionalism or some kind of like auteur quality. I'm thinking of like House of Cards is probably what I'm thinking the most of, but it's still like a TV show when it comes down to it. And that's what I feel about this game or maybe the crown. This applies to the crown as well is that like they know when to lean into like historical accuracy they know when to like take it serious for the story but they're not afraid and in fact they'll happily like lean into what makes it a game which is like you know fun mechanics there's all these different collectibles it's going to feel a little ridiculous at times but it's going to be very satisfying like while you're doing it and before you can even think about it too much you're going to get pulled back into some serious story thing you know like that's what it feels like to me it's like a Netflix show, a Netflix original, like at its best. And when we say like, it could be a movie, I feel like it could be a TV show. Like it feels episodic to me in that way. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's, it's as big to where it, it should be a TV show and each mission plays out like an episode, but no, I, I don't, I get what you're saying, especially as a, a big 
of fan of the crown that I am. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I see what you're getting at. Yeah. I never thought of it that way, but I, I, I totally understand. That's a, it's a very interesting thought. Yeah. Um, and, and like bad open world games, uh, like some certain Assassin's Creed's or Far Cry's kind of feel like bad Netflix shows in the sense that they're like bloated and they're like full of undirected like content and scope, you know? And you're just supposed to like keep eating, even though you don't necessarily yeah. want to keep eating. I think uh, not Assassin's Creed, but I think Witcher is a literal Netflix show. Yeah, that's true. There's the crossover. But no, yeah, I I I understand what you're saying. There there were times when I was watching The Crown that the the historical significance melted away, and I had to laugh at. Prince Philip just dissing Neil Armstrong. Like, right. That's so stupid. <laughs> like they know when to make it like a melodrama and they know when to make it kind of soapy, you know, on yeah. that show. And then there are other times when they lean into like the austere, like British quality yeah. of it all. No, yeah, that that that's very similar to the experience of this game. I totally get that. Yeah. It's it, it it gets a little hammy at points. Like when I first met Kenji, it was like, okay, this guy might be a stereotype. I don't uh-huh. know if I'm too down with him. And a lot of other characters are totally motivated by revenge and are are like um almost fall into that one note category that Jin falls into. Lady but Masako no, was like the early example for me of someone like that. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh Lady Masako is uh She's a tough cookie. <laughs> it's like, I felt really bad because there's one time where you go to where she's supposed to be waiting to give you a mission and she's already fighting like a horde of Mongols by herself. And it's like, oh shit. <laughs> I laughed. I audibly mm-hmm. like guffawed. I was like, oh no, I gotta say. <laughs> Later on in her storyline, it, it becomes, uh, I, I don't know how far you got into it, but yeah, she's she's wild. I, I she's she's basically a female Jin. Yeah, and there's a lot of that that will come into the game as you play it later on. It's really funny. Everyone's like, "Oh, Spec Ops the line. Are you having fun killing these guys? You having fun shooting at them?" Mm-hmm. That's never been really done to this extent in an open world game. And there's a lot of characters, even in like. Uh, second thought side missions that are super short like a monk will ask you like are you enjoying this dude like (laughs) you fucking just butchered all of these people and like there's the dialogue options are funny it's funny that they give you binary choice dialogue options yeah there's no third Um, option it's always circle or x it's like kind of like an aggro thing or like a more personal thing i i i honestly could not differentiate i i Mm. but yeah it it seemed it seemed like yeah there was more of a not to say that there was a samurai path and a ghost path right but like there there was something more direct and something more subtle and you like I, i don't i don't know if the particular dialogue dialogue option came up but like you you can play like so sobering gin like only only a a monster would enjoy this and things like that and it's 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 so funny because one of my favorite things to do one of the most engaging things to do of the of the little side missions that i don't think really offer that much in terms of uh rewards aside from uh legend or whatever in which you gain to unlock more techniques 
but even then like little things like that don't give that much it's the main missions that do but the duels how many duels have you done because there's like only the ones that are like part of this main story the first time i did a duel i was like oh my god i was <laughs> i was freaking out and by the time i landed the last blow i literally closed my eyes and was like ah! and 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 it played out like a movie it, it, i was i was in tears it, it was it was a, a really engaging and exciting experience even though like me being the cheesy player that i am I just like would roll and would like try just try to get behind the guy and 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 do cheat moves which were not very cinematic but but there are legitimate ways the thing is there are five like duels on the map that you fight Ronin once you completed them all there's a sixth one that's really interesting because it's in a part of an area that I thought I had explored every inch of, but it's in a, it's in a secret area of, of that area. It's a secret part of that area. And the, the, it's, it's, it's the final duel. And so you realize, I mean, this might be a, a tiny, tiny, tiny spoiler, but you, it, the path that that guy that you're dueling has went on is very similar to the path that you have went on. And you both have acquired this mythic legend behind you. And uh, a lot of times during these duels, almost all of them, I, whenever I died, because I wasn't good, but whenever I died, there was dialogue. And especially with the story missions, the, the characters will say something to Jin as they kill him. And it, it, it was that duel in particular when it really came into full context like this is a lot of stuff that i'm having fun with but on a real person it would pay a heavy toll and the amount that this game is grounded to real life it it really you know gets my gears working in a game in the way that a game hasn't been let me know as as soon as you do that one like the the duels they're hard but if you go into it with full resolve which is the the meter that is taken away with abilities, you'll, you'll be able to do them. But that one in particular, it's in an area that you've already explored, but I didn't notice the way, like where the arena was. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's things like that. Like little, you gotta explore every little nook and cranny of this game. And at times it will force you to do that. Like, as, as I said, it, the, the immersion is in that way. But yeah, it's, 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 it's something that really puts in perspective that this really happened in real life. And I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how else you can really make a game like this. Yeah. Yeah, I guess as we're kind of like, wrapping up i feel like we're circling we're circling kind of our final feelings on it like what would you say is your final take on the game or like why you think it's meaningful why why you think it's hit you so hard (laughs) i mean it's 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 just beautiful there's there's really there was a lot of consideration put into every single aspect and they took a long long time with everything 
they, I mean, contacting the Kurosawa residents, <laughs> like, like ev- everything. They, it was done with the utmost respect. The, the utmost respect for culture on all sides, not just Japanese. The utmost respect for the time and just, I, 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 I don't know what other way to describe it in that, like, even with all those aspects, you would think that it would be some slog, like some, some like, oh, uh, what is it? Uh, some spinach game where you have to play so that you can get yourself educated. But mm-hmm. it's not. It's really, really quite fun. And then it lets you know that as much fun as you're having, it's it, it 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 makes that balance. It's like this 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 happened to real people. These are real like all these bodies you see. There was heavy losses. Everyone yeah. and the attack of on Komodo was wiped out. And like even the stuff with storms, the 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 aside from like metaphorical aspects of it, like those played a really real significant role in. Japan in the island of Tsushima defending against the Mongol invasion. It's things like that. Like I I I would have never have thought would be portrayed in a game as well and as fun as it is. And to that, it's one of the I think it's one of the most important games. I think it's really I, I I'm 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 glad I've had it. And, and I don't think a second of my freaking 60 some hours playing it has been wasted That's it's good. really a truly beautiful game and i think everyone should play it. yeah as no i i think if open world games represent like the contentification of like video games then this is like the best possible version of that you know like the most respectful most careful like best made other than Breath of the Wild, I I don't know. I have a special <laughs> place in my heart for Breath of the Wild. But other than Breath of the Wild, like the the most well crafted one of these games, and I'm glad that it's kind of like what the genre is going out on in this console generation. You know, like it feels like a good one to go out on. Yeah, I've I've never really put into perspective that that this is the end of the the PS4 and. Oh, that's the, the, but yeah, the consoles are known to have games at the very, very last minute that are really good. Take complete advantage of everything that is offered. And I mean, this is it. This is the pinnacle. It's going to, I mean, I feel bad for people making games in the future because it's really freaking hard. It's going to be really freaking hard to top this. And the and the polish that they add, it feels like something that like the like the guiding wind and those little details like that feel like things that people will draw on, you know, like going forward. Like I would not be surprised if we see little mechanics that are in this game pop up in other games in the future. Cause they're just smart. Like they're just smart little, you know, like improvements on the form. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. We like it's, it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um but I mean, yeah. The only thing, rated M for a reason. <laughs> like, it's graphic. It's very graphic. But you know, you you can literally just I I've I've spent whole evenings just walking, just walking through this, not even doing anything, just nice. walking through this game, 
with whatever outfit that I have and just seeing the wind billow through his cape and the, 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 the bats, the frogs, the, the fish. It was like, it was halfway through my playthrough that I found out what bowing does in every situation. And that just, that opened up a whole new world for me. Yeah. Almost. Or popping out your sword. Like you can, there's all these little gestural things that you can do. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, I, I could go on about this forever. I'm really glad that we were able to enjoy this game. I was super worried that it, that Sucker Punch would, would, was out of the picture entirely. I didn't know they were making a game entire, at all. I, I didn't know they were still making games. And as I told you, I saw the footage of it and it's so the 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 previous uh, pre-release footage mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful it's so cinematic that it looks scripted mm. it looks it, lo- it, it, it 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 like seeing this game seeing gameplay of this game seeing this game in motion does not do it justice at all it's playing it it's playing it that really uh gets you into it because you you could totally mistake it for uh, a film or something that's completely scripted yeah. and that gave me like weird assassin's creed vibes where like you're on a certain set path and whatnot but no it is nothing like that at all and i'm glad i'm really glad super yeah. satisfied good you got your you got your money's worth yeah i i i'm glad to be playing it and i'm glad you enjoyed it and i'm glad that we got to talk about it And that's the podcast. If you'd like to follow Alec online, you can look for his work on MerryGoRoundMagazine.com and on Twitter at Falexander. That's P-H-A-L-L-I-X-A-N-D-E-R. You can follow me at SoupsTheName, S-O-U-P-S-T-H-E-N-A-M-E, and you can find my writing on games, television, and a bunch of other topics on merrygoroundmagazine.com as well. If you'd like to support our site, from our hosting fees to paying our writers, you can join our Patreon. That's at patreon.com mgrm. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a review. That's going to be all for me today. Thanks again for listening and stay safe out there.